This is the Complete Golf Athlete Podcast. And welcome to the Complete Golf Athlete Podcast. Uh, We're back after a bit of a hiatus. We were just uh, finishing up the program and making sure that everything was good for going live. Uh, But now we'll be back on a more consistent schedule. How are you doing, James? Yeah, I'm fantastic, mate. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Excited to uh, get back into some hard training and really push forward with everything. Yeah, I I literally cannot wait. I've I've just started training again recently at the gym. It has opened up outdoors, but the gyms are open this weekend, I think, and I am buzzing um, to, to train properly. What about you? Yeah, man, I've definitely, um, I've been training probably a bit more than you in terms of like being consistent with it, uh, but yeah. I haven't been doing anything heavy or really difficult uh, for a number of different reasons. Uh, but now I'm actually starting to feel uh, fully healthy and ready to kind of push forward with with this training and get some weight on the bar. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting coming from like powerlifting where your entire focus is going as heavy as you as you can, like within, uh, you know, a month or six weeks and really just focusing more on trying to feel good when you're going to the driving range and uh, playing on yeah. the golf course and that kind of thing. It's very different. No, 100%. Yeah, no, I've, I've never gone solely into powerlifting, so, but I can imagine that your whole life would just revolve around you know, just making sure that you're you're continuing to increase your strength on those lifts. Whereas golf, we've got to sort of think about, you know, we've got to practice, we've got to make sure we're not, you know, season up on the on the first tee and stuff. So it's a slightly different beast. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's it's interesting because on some level it's it's so important to have the strength basis. Obviously that's that's really critical. But uh, the other contrast to that is that getting to a point where you're too fatigued to be able to use the strength that you've created, it's kind of a problem too. Like with golf, it's very different from powerlifting in that you actually have something to focus on outside of training, but your training still matters in order to propagate that success and the growth on the golf course. So I think it's interesting when you see, um, you know, what what Bryson does and what people like uh, Joe Miller used to do. I mean, obviously, there's a whole different Mm -hmm. conversation there as well. But, um, you know, being able to push yourself that much, um, there is a really key balance point. And I think maybe that's something that we saw this week with with how Bryson played, right? Like maybe he's just a little bit too fatigued. He's been pushing himself too much. Uh, Now he's starting to see some of the, the issues that come from that. Um, and so like, that was a really big thing when we, when I made the program is that in order to actually be able to push forward and have that level of training, you also have to really focus on balancing that out and removing some stimulus where perhaps you might be like, this would be really good to just have another day of deadlifts that could help you just get that much stronger and, and, and really progress with that. But at the same time, it's like, if you add in that additional day, maybe you go and you shoot an 85 on Saturday because you're just too tired and you can't swing how you need to swing. It's, yeah, it's a very precocious balance. It is, which is good. That I, I feel like that's the reason that it's gelled well with us getting this program together because, you know, we've got the powerlifter and the, the golfer that also trains and put those two aspects together. So it works in that, in that regard, I think. No, definitely. So you say you're the golfer who uh, also trains. Your post the other day, you're kind of alluding to the fact that you might be trying to get some of your speed back. Uh, talk us through yes. what's going to be going on with that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm starting to decided to start the complete golf athlete training program next week, um, which 
will, would have allowed me a couple weeks then to, to just get used to lifting weights again. You know what it's like when you've had a big break away from training. The, the first few weeks, it's just important to sort of like get back into the rhythm of it and, and you know, just slowly get your muscles working again because you can't just go straight back into a, uh, you know, an intense program um, um, just because you're going to feel really sore. So, yeah, I've just been warming myself up for this program, but I, I honestly think that I can go from I round I reckon I'm around 118 um I reckon I can get to 130 like sort of on course golf swing um so 10 12 mile an hour is what I'm projecting for 12 weeks which is obviously insane game yeah that's that's quite a lot so you said you really you think you're at 118 right now that seems pretty slow <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's um it is it is slow. So I was, I was sort of like one, two, five, one, two, six, fairly comfortable. Um, and then it's just the fact that I've lost, well, I put back on a few kilos now, but I lost eight kilos in total, which is so much weight. Um, yeah. there's a tiny bit of fat there, but a lot of it is muscle and obviously like stored glycogen, all that stuff. But it's just led to me being <laughs> slow. <laughs> there's no two ways about it. No, I mean, it makes total sense, right? If you're not able to produce the same amount of power, then you won't generate as much speed. Um, so, I mean, I'm guessing you probably lost a lot of that muscle, like in your lower body, maybe that's causing some of the issues. Um, yeah, you skipped leg day for three months. It's not good. Uh, Can't do that. <laughs> literally. Uh, yeah, it really, I, I really did. But it's weird. I, I still tried to train throughout this, um, throughout this break, but most of the stuff that I could do was push-ups and pull-ups and um right. i've thought about doing calisthenics before and being more focused on that like in the past but obviously not associated with you know getting stronger for golf but um yeah i found out the hard way that calisthenics mate, it just, it's just not the same as getting under a bar say that no it's not well, well talk talk me through that like so kind of explain why you don't think that calisthenics is as valuable as, as weight training for everyone that's listening like i think that's kind of an informative thing to talk about and maybe go into yeah. to um the plyometric stuff because i know we've had that conversation before but i think that's interesting yeah to share. sure yeah so calisthenics the guys at home that may not be familiar with the term is just basically using your body weight um as resistance so pull-ups push-ups anything you can do that's going to put your body weight through a motion um it's pretty much calisthenics so i was doing um upper sort of like full body mostly full body sessions where i'd head to the park find some bars do some pull-ups do some press-ups try to add some variations and progressions through that so adding weight um to pull-ups and adding weight to press-ups bits and pieces like that but i just found that you're just not putting your muscles under enough stress for them to have to adapt enough to uh, to actually gain strength. So I just found myself just consistently losing weight, even though I was still trying to eat um, in order to you know maintain my weight. I was I was definitely losing muscle and strength by the week. So that's sort of been my experience with calisthenics. Um, there's nothing like strength training just because you can, you know, use progressive overload in a way that you can just 
force your muscles to continue to adapt and your nervous system to continue to adapt in order to keep gaining strength and size. Um, and let's say, for instance, you're doing, you know, press-ups of your body weight. That's just nothing in comparison than getting under a bar and, and lifting, you know, one and a half times your body weight with, with you know, with, with the bar. So um, that's sort of my, my stand on calisthenics uh, through lockdown. And then plyometrics was another interesting one. So for the guys at home, plyometrics is um, doing exercises like box jumps where you're you know, just explosive movements that, again, you're pretty much, you, usually using your body weight. So box jumps and you can do depth drops. Most of it is, is based around jumping, but you can obviously do like um, clap press-ups, et cetera. Yeah. But what I, find, what I found and how I found this not to be an ultra effective way of increasing clubhead speed was that as I got closer to long drive, I thought that I would sort of like transfer the strength that I built into explosive power by using more plyometric work. Um, but what I found was that because I stopped lifting as much weight, my muscle um, strength actually decreased, even though, yeah, I could jump maybe a bit higher by the end of a couple of weeks of plyometrics. I'd probably lost a bit of strength in that time and then my clubbed speed would, would drop. So definitely feel like plyometrics is... Um, you know, can be a good benefit, um, a good addition to a training program, but the core is just strength training. It's just so important. No, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head from, from both sides of that. I mean, I think plyometrics are good and it's definitely something, you know, if you have the, the skill and the ability to do that in addition to your training and it's not going to add any more fatigue, uh, then yeah, you should absolutely do it. Why not? Um, you know like calisthenics on the other hand it's it's just not going to be as valuable as strength training like you can definitely do press-ups in addition to bench pressing but if you're not bench pressing then you're not going to get as much from doing both of those things you get more from doing both those things in combination than doing the easier one of those two in isolation right um and so i think yeah. that's important it's like we definitely you know when i program for people i put press-ups in there close grip press-ups um wide grip press-ups you know low low position low hand position press-ups like all of those kinds of things and that's a great accessory movement to add additional volume you know in a in a minimally yeah. fatiguing way but again it's like it's minimally fatiguing if you work out and afterwards you're not really tired at all you probably haven't done enough to actually generate any level of fatigue and it, and generally muscular fatigue is what's going to be driving hypertrophy and strength gains so that's really the point you have to get to to some degree and i think it's it is a very fine balance like we mentioned and obviously that's what we try to do in the program um but i think like you know especially going back to like the original discussion about all of this which is the flaws with uh with tpi and those kinds of methods you know you're just leaving so much stuff on the table uh if you're not willing to just take that extra step and, and just train a little bit more um and put a little bit more effort into it i think it's it has to be a, a cultural thing now like golf has to become an athletic sport and we have to take ownership of that in a way that really hasn't happened previously for sure for sure which is hopefully what we're doing with um well what will help with doing um in releasing this program yeah absolutely man so kind of in your uh, approach to get that speed back, is there anything 
else you're going to be doing outside of the strength training and, and the speed training? You know, there are some other things that you're going to be focusing on to try and get back to that point. You mentioned that you're working on uh, increasing the speed. Um, obviously, you're going to be pursuing the strength training, uh, getting into the overspeed training and really working on the mobility. Uh, is there anything else that you're going to be focusing on, like as you try and get back into it? Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's it training wise. And then I'm going to be focusing on my diet really over the next 12 weeks and just making sure that I'm eating a, in a caloric surplus the, the whole way through, just making sure I get the calories in. I've started to do that over the last few weeks and I've already put on, you know, a few kilos, but I'm really hoping that I can get my body weight up to, you know, north of 92, 93 kilos. Um, as I dropped all the way down to 85. So, um, wow. you know, just, just, yeah, I know that's so, so light in it. Is that the lightest you've been like since you started training? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a very long time since I've been at 85 kilos. I mean, I've been, you know, 95 and over for like five years, probably. Wow. So to then drop down to 85, it's, it just makes you feel like I know it's um, everyone, you know, is different and everyone's weight is different to themselves, but it made just me feel like an inferior little bitch to be fair. <laughs> Dude, that's how I feel. I'm like a uh, hundred and ten now. And I was, you know, obviously at my heaviest, I was like 125, 127. And now wow. I'm 110. Like I've lost, I've lost so much weight um, in the last six months. It's crazy. You've lost more than me. <laughs> yeah well it's easier when you're you know heavier right like it's a lot easier <laughs> to lose like you know i could lose 10 kilos and i probably wouldn't notice other than like i look a little bit skinnier but i've definitely <laughs> lost like a lot of uh size from my arms which is pretty upsetting because i worked hard for that um but, <laughs> yeah you know it, it's interesting actually like how much of a difference it makes training uh back heavy in combination with doing like bicep curls and any any real uh, bicep work because the pre-fatiguing that you get from from doing all that back training in your biceps right even though you're not actively using your biceps you're still passively engaging them in some of those movements uh but the pre-fatiguing effect you get on your lats and, and your and the biceps when you actually go and then train your biceps properly after that you're getting such a greater benefit comparatively um it's it's really interesting to think about like the the role of like the lats in a, in a bicep curl, it's a lot higher than like most people would think. And unless you actually yeah. actively remove that from that by, by training and fatigue, it makes it uh, way more difficult to completely isolate the bicep and, and get the maximal training effect. So I think like I've been doing more curls than I've ever done, uh, you know, throughout the last couple of months when the apartment gym here has been open, um, which, you know, so there was a month where I just didn't train at all. And then after that, it was been two months of like going to the gym four times a week, uh, doing an array of different stuff. But, you know, it's like really interesting to me that I've been <laughs> doing more accessory work like that, but getting less benefit because I'm not doing the fundamental, uh, basic work I need to be doing to actually get the benefit. You just been doing the beach body stuff. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, oh, it just doesn't work. It definitely doesn't. I just, you know, like from where I was before all this, like, I, you know, really for me, the whole reason I wanted to do the complete golf athlete is because I wanted to create a way of training that was, uh, takes all the best parts of powerlifting and then removes all the worst parts, which, you know, for me has always been like fatigue and injury risk. 
because if you're training five, six days a week, like at pretty like 80% or, you know, in a lot of cases, 90% of a maximal intensity, you're putting your body like right up against the wall and then just, you know, expecting it to survive and continue to be able to support that weight when you're just never going to be able to at some point in time. I think like yeah. powerlifting training in that sense is kind of like how everyone thinks Tiger Woods trained. And then like he, what he was actually doing was just like running five miles and then doing the beach body stuff. Right. But like yeah. that was, you know, I was pushing myself too hard doing that even for powerlifting, but for golf, it's just like, it's double what I needed to be doing and putting me in a situation where it was like impossible to recover. My recovery has been absolutely terrible. And, you know, you add in like having to work full time and, and working on this and all of that kind of stuff, it just really builds up. But I think having a program that's, three days a week of main work, you know, obviously you have up, uh, the supplemental stuff, you know, thrown in, that's two extra days and the overspeed that you should be doing five days a week. But it's really just five days of intense work uh, in, you know, little good sections. And then you're going to get the benefit of that and not have to really worry as much about feeling like crap for the rest of the week. Um, and that's really what I'm excited for. So, that whole beach body phase of my life was just taking a break from being fatigued for, you know, every day. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Well, yeah, it's funny you say that, um, you know, the, the beach body muscles, you know, biceps, um, abs, having uh, pecs and stuff and like the effects of, you know, doing isolation work as opposed to, you know, a proper decent routine with compound lifts and then adding some accessories, even as far as, deadlifts like isometrically work the bicep like right um just holding on to like a couple hundred kilos actually stresses the bicep and, and other muscles in a way that you know you just you're just not although you're not contracting that you're just not going to get that stress through you know doing band bicep curls with yeah <laughs> putting the band around your feet and doing curls right no 100 percent, and even doing like you know like a heavy barbell row or a heavy cable row all of that stuff you know you're putting stress through your biceps and then you know for yeah. the reverse of that like when you're bench pressing even when you're doing the widest grip bench press uh you're you're you know significantly stressing your triceps like i think i made the most tricep gains i've ever made in my life when i was benching like maximal width so for non-powerlifting people that's like having your yeah. index finger on the uh on the olympic ring of the bar so really really wide right um, you'd think that it would be just entirely shoulders and a little bit of your upper pec, but I yeah. got the most tricep gains I've ever had because you're putting your triceps under a load that they just never otherwise be able to access. Like you could yeah, exactly. do a heavy skull crusher with like a hundred pounds. Like, I mean, if you could do that, I would be pretty impressed. That's, that's pretty heavy. Right. So yeah, yeah. it's interesting how, how it kind of works out like that. Sure. So what do you, um, I, I've talked about my, sort of like speed increases or estimated speed increases where do you see your speed going to um after <laughs> after the program because what what you are what are you now what do you expect to get to okay so right now right now i'm not actually sure the last time i hit on uh, trackman i did one four five so like i'm right there um and i think the best i have is one four eight so i need to get but really for me, like I need to be at one at 150, 153. I mean, but you know, that's where Berkshire and uh, Martin and, and Joe Miller is coming back too. So they're, I mean, they're all comfortably over 150, you know, right now. And, and the, the, at this point, we're like six months to eight months away from like actual long drive events. 
Um, that's if you know things go as they should go. So uh, I can only expect that by next year, the World Long Drive Championships, we're going to be seeing like 156s, 157s, yeah. something like that. You know, 160 isn't out of the realm of possibility. I mean, it sounds crazy to think about, but it's, it's insane. Like, but one good thing for me is that my ball speed has increased a lot because I've been hitting it out of the middle of the club face. But what I'm going to do is next week, I'm going to uh, hit on TrackMan. And I'm going to set some baselines with my playing driver and my long drive driver. Um, and then the following week after that is when I'm going to start my training. Um, and then basically, so I'm going to set that baseline, which I think probably considering how bad my diet has been, uh, how poorly my training has been, I feel like we'll be around 145, um, yep. maybe a little bit more, you know, my swings got a lot better, but anyway, I think that setting that baseline will kind of help me to assess. And I think that by the end, I want to be, I want to see myself at least at 149, uh, 150. So for me, it's like, you know, it's going to be less of a speed gain. I think that it's kind of just getting back to where I was um, and then building back up. I think the biggest thing I've, I've probably noticed since I haven't been training as much is that my balance and stability through my golf swing has gotten a lot worse. Um, I'm not able to hold my finish after a really uh, fast drive like I used to be able to. Uh, I'm not able to stay in positions for as long as I would like doing my golf swing. Um, I yeah. generally feel like I'm just, you know, I, <laughs> I feel like when I'm holding the golf club, I'm literally just holding a piece of spaghetti that weighs as much <laughs> as my driver, right? Like, I just don't feel like I'm able to control the club in a way that I was, uh, you know, even three months ago. I definitely wasn't as strong as I ever have been then, but I was significantly stronger than I am now because I was training uh, consistently. And I just, since I haven't been, <laughs> yeah, I've definitely noticed um, the, the issues with that. But I think it, it takes me back to a point that I think is really interesting, which is that you kind of have this dichotomy with golf where you see a lot of these guys that they're really strong and then they start playing golf and they're never able to control it and, and get better like that. And then you see all these guys that play golf and then they get stronger as they're doing it. And those tend to be the people that are able to actually get the most out of it because they have a good foundation and then they just add speed, add power, add stability, and it just makes the good foundation better. So I guess what I'm yeah. trying to say is that in order to have both of those things work, you really have to just combine both aspects of it and, and get the swing where you need it to be, but also just rely on the fact that your training is solid enough to, to allow you to be everywhere you need to be during your golf swing. Yeah, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with the speed that you can get to, you know, over the next 12 weeks on the program. Yeah, that's I true. feel like I mean, four miles an hour is a very modest um, estimation. I think I, I think you can get well into the 150s. I, I mean, I hope so, man. And, and that's an interesting point you make, I guess, because I haven't ever done over speed consistently. So I haven't yeah. been doing it like I was doing it. Maybe I did like three weeks in a row. Then I wasn't able to go to uh, the TrackMan lab. So I didn't hit, I didn't use the speed sticks for like three weeks after that. And then I did it again. So it's like, it feels good when I do it, but I haven't been able to do it consistently. But obviously, you know, you look at the research, it doesn't take uh, a rocket scientist to understand that you're going to get a lot of benefit from it. So I'm ordering my overspeed sticks this week. So I'll have them uh, for when I start the program, which will be the week after next. So I'll probably when I get them, I'll just start doing, you know, some light workouts next week to get back into it. But, you know, I was able to do quite a lot of volume with those. So hopefully I may, yeah. I'll be able to get, you know, a good amount of speed from everything. 
Okay, and another bit of news for the guys that are listening as well. Um, so speed swing, speed stick slash swing stick slash over speed training tools. Um, that's something that me and Alex are looking into producing, but we uh, are just not 100% aware of the legalities, um, whether there's any patents involved with the swing stick. Um, but if we can actually find a way of bringing this to market, we want to bring an, a much affordable version of the swing sticks to you guys because um, I know 299 is is pretty <laughs> steep for three bits of metal with a weight on them. So uh, for sure, let's uh, hopefully we can bring you guys something that's a bit more affordable. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm not buying the uh, super speed version. There's like some, there's a knockoff version here. I hear you um, got the I'll knockoff one. <laughs> yeah, they don't, no. What, dude, I'm not paying 300. Are you kidding me? Like you just said, it's three pieces of metal on a stick. Um, <laughs> yeah. These versions do not look very good um, comparably, but I mean, it makes sense for me because I'll still have access to the actual super speed sticks, so I can use them a fair bit well, as well, but. If, yeah. if so, yeah, I mean, if there are knockoff versions, then surely legally we, we don't really face too many obstacles. So maybe that won't be as hard as, as hard as we initially thought. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it, it could just depend on where they're produced. Like if they're produced in a different country uh, compared to the US, then maybe it's not an issue. I'm not totally sure, but it's something we'll be looking into and, and trying to figure out. Um, you know, I, I think a, a big thing with those is just providing something that's more accessible like i remember when we were talking about it we wanted to do an adjustable one uh something like that so it's not necessarily three sticks i think the idea of having like three it, it kind of seems like a lot to me like do i want to carry that around all the time and if you're yeah. you know do you really need to use all three all the time or do you just need to use some some of the time and then all of them when you're able to you know have a, a full training session or something like that so that's something that we're going to be kind of experimenting with uh, on ourselves Obviously, the way we have the overspeed set up now is more traditional uh, using all three of them. But even so, the way I programmed it is so that a lot more of the volume is with the lighter sticks. Because as James and I have talked about before, when you do overspeed training, you actually want to do it with more speed. Uh, swinging the heaviest stick isn't necessarily going to give you the post-activation potentiation effect in, uh, in, the same, in the same way, right? Because it's heavier than your driver. And if the goal is to swing your driver faster, does it matter if you can swing a heavier than your driver object as fast as your driver? Is that really helping you in the same way? So something yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like three sticks, maybe slightly overkill. So, um, yeah, the lighter, the better, the faster you can swing them, the better, basically. Absolutely. I like your uh, terminology there. Um, post, what was that again? Post I always forget how potentiation. to, I always forget how to pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> but i know a um a sprint coach from uh from london called nat who would love the fact that he's in that terminology <laughs> because he, he loves that <laughs> it's big for sprinting man really big for sprinting. yeah yeah for sure so it's interesting sure. i mean i think I'm, again like I'm, I'm really hopeful that i will get some good outcomes from this um, I think for me, like I said, the, the main benefit is really just having uh, a better structured training approach that is focused on uh, golf specifically and, and being able to do everything you need to do it, you know, from practice and uh, playing perspective. 
as well as getting all the benefits of training. So I'm excited to get into that part of it. And hopefully both of us will be swinging it pretty fast. I mean, 130 is getting up there, man. Do you think there's going to be a big distance difference for you on the course? Huge. Um, huge. But um, I, I, I just want to get to the point where I can swing it at 130 again. But then my, my swing on the course be sort of, you know, like high 120s, like 127 um, as an actual golf swing. So I guess similar speeds to what someone like Cameron Champ would be producing. So just right. slightly less than Bryson. Um, but you know, still, still up there. And I mean, that's that in an extra 10 miles an hour is obviously, I mean, that could lead to like 30 yards, which is just huge. That's an yeah. extra club with the irons and then 30 yards with the driver. And, um, by the way, the guys at home, I don't want you to, to think that 10 miles an hour is, you know, legitimate, um, target for everyone to put on in 12 weeks. The only reason that I can confidently feel like I can get there is because I've already like pushed myself to those speeds um, and putting on muscle and strength is going to be a, a, a much quicker process because I'm regaining rather than actually pushing, pushing through barriers. So that's sort of why I, 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 I feel comfortable getting 10 miles an hour. Well, and you also have a really good swing as it is, right? Like you're not working with uh, a terrible swing that's limited where you're leaking power, right? You, you've got a pretty good foundation. So just adding that muscle back in, you know, like I was saying earlier, it's going to be really easy for you to gain that speed. It's literally just like fill back up the car, right? Put the fuel back in uh, and then you're yeah. good to go. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so when are you actually starting then? So the, not the program? This, so it will be... God, we're looking at probably like August, I guess. So not next week, the following week, I'll be starting. Um, okay. I'm tr <laughs> well, I've been trying to avoid going to the actual, uh, the gym that I usually go to here because of uh, obviously issues with the virus. Um, yeah. And I was also waiting to get equipment, but shipping delays are still like two months. Um, so kind of still on the fence about what I'm doing, but I've decided I'm giving myself a deadline of this weekend to figure out what I'm going to do because uh, the apartment gym is just not, you know, it's not going to meet my needs forever. They only have like 350 pounds of weight. So all the training I've been doing has been very light, obviously. Uh, so now that if I want to do this seriously, you know, I was putting in my estimated maxes, which are way down. But even with that, like, you know, I'm comfortably over 500 for working weight on deadlifts. My squats are going to be in the 400s and my bench is in the high 200s, which is pretty uh, depressing because I was comfortably over 450 with bench but now i can't even uh 450 wow. pounds i mean yeah now i can't yeah even bench, yeah like 300 that's pounds. uh 450 that's what like 210 kilos uh, like, like 205 i think okay wow that's uh, that's a decent push uh, i was getting there i mean for someone with long arms i was happy with that but now uh, now in this kind of retirement from powerlifting uh, i feel i feel very shrimpish i have to say <laughs> So what are you lifting now in kilos? Probably nothing. Uh, I mean, honestly, like <laughs> the most I've squatted in the last three months uh, was like 330 pounds. So what's that? Like, God, terrible. I mean, like 150-ish kilos. Um, yeah. Bench. I've benched 140 kilos. I actually might have done more, more than that. So maybe it was close to, I think it was like close to 150 on bench too. Um, okay. which is, is kind of bad. I, my bench hasn't gone down as much, but I've been doing a lot of dumbbell bench, overhead press, incline bench press. So, I mean, it makes sense. 
Um, and then my deadlift, I was doing a couple of weeks ago before the virus got worse. I was doing like 620 for sets of four. So that is like 275-ish, oh, uh, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. So, but I mean, but to put that in perspective, I was doing like uh, 750 for sets of four. So mm. that's like, um, like 330, 340. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, I've lost quite a lot. I don't think the deadlift's gone down as much either. But again, like my injury was only affecting my squat. So it makes a lot of sense that my squat has gone down the most. Um, And I still kind of have to figure out, you know, where I'm at with that. Uh, Mobility wise, I have a big deficiency. Uh, So I've been doing a lot of mobility, probably the majority of my training has been mobility work, honestly, I'm just trying to get back to where I was, um, putting a lot of time into that. So, but I'm feeling a lot better and my golf has been a lot better as a result too, which is, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful. I think the combination of like actually training, doing all the accessory work I need to do, doing the speed, uh, the overspeed piece finally, um, and, and the mobility, which is important for me, um, I'm going to be in a really good spot with it, man. And I think I'm going to come out of this 12 weeks stronger, uh, faster, but also just, you know, more stable and feeling better uh, as I go into playing golf and, and practicing, which is good for me because I'm trying to play some tournaments towards the end of this year. So I want to get into okay. a good spot with it. Good. Well, I look forward to hopefully coming over to Florida. Oh, yeah. In, uh, in February, if, you know, I mean, you're like, the worst area, right? In, oh, in by the far world. the worst. Yeah, I think they said it's like the, the epicenter. They said that yeah. Miami is equivalent to like Wuhan now. So that's pretty good. Oh, my God. Yeah, man. You just, go outside, no one's wearing a mask or doing anything. It's crazy. It's just insane, isn't it? The, <laughs> men, the mentality of, um, yeah, some of your leaders is uh, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you should try living here. It's, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'll just come for a little trip. Yeah, trip's probably better. Yeah, I'm starting <laughs> to regret moving all the way over here. <laughs> Brilliant. But yeah, I think that uh, that does it for this episode. Uh, we're going to be back next week when we have a bit more time. Uh, obviously, we've been quite busy getting everything ready to go uh, and dealing with you know issues with that. So obviously, that's all good to go now. Um, you can go ahead and go to completegolfathlete.com, um, click the find my program button on the menu. Um, and then you'll be able to go ahead and find your program. It'll take you through a form. Uh, you fill out all your information on there. Um, a lot of that is for our data collection so that we can kind of uh, do a bit of a study on everyone and see how the uh, progression has resulted as a result of the program. Uh, we want to measure ourselves, but also everyone else. Um, and then also that's going to set up your program and put you on the right spot with that. Um, so it will take you to the payment part at the end of it. And um, once you're done with that, you'll automatically get your program um, and your welcome email. And for all of those people on uh, signing off for premium and professional, um, you'll be contacted at uh, the end of this week. Um, well, depending on when you sign up, it'll be about a week after you sign up um, with information on how to submit your uh, your swings and your movement videos for consultation. So uh, we're, yeah, we have that process all set up for everyone. So it's good to go. So go ahead and get your program, uh, get started. And if you uh, start the Monday after next, you'll be uh, on the same timeline as me. So <laughs> we'll be working out together. Cool. Yeah. And my final thoughts, I just want to say, um, really looking forward to seeing uh, you guys actually getting on this program and seeing your gains. Um, if you're still listening at the end, 
like uh, like Alex just said, the um, we we have a few different packages, um, and the um, upper package is you know the the real you know uh, working with us. So like swing swing videos, and uh, Alex can look at your mechanics, lifting weights, and we can really you know offer a tailored approach in that way. So look forward exactly. to seeing you uh, progress. For sure. All right. Well, it's great. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Complete Golf Athlete Podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. You can find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and at completegolfathlete.com. In the meantime, follow us on social media at Complete Golf Athlete.